0: All right, here we go. Wonderful award-winning podcast in three, two, one. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Tony Barnhart and the TMG guys getting ready for yet another wonderful weekly podcast. Uh, Hope all is well with you as we get closer and closer to football season. In fact, we've already started football season uh, with a game last uh, Saturday between Austin P and Central Arkansas. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a lot more about the season coming up as we get closer and closer. First, before we get started, I want to uh, shout out to a couple of people. Of course, we want to say thanks once, as always, to our sponsor, APBA, APBA, the unchallenged king of quality sports simulation products. Our man, Mark Blaston, is a lifelong Uh, user of Appa and of course, Dave at uh, Revelation Studios in Chino, California. We could not do it without his uh, electronics expertise. Well, gentlemen, first, let's call the roll, make sure everybody's okay. Uh, Out of lovely, situate Massachusetts, we have the Jersey guy, Mark Blauschen. How are you, Mark? Yes, sir. Nice sunny day here in the fall. Ready for football, Tony. Well, It's good to hear your voice, my friend. And uh, Herb Gould, out of the great Chicago area, the ongoing drama that is the Big Ten Conference. We'll talk about more more on that today. Herb Gould, how are you today, sir?
1: Anxiously uh, anticipating the start of Thanksgiving football.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. We will will certainly get to that. And Mr. Tom Lucci, the pride of Rutgers University, how are you today, Lucci?
2: Doing well Tony we're having some uh, some fall weather here and it just reminds you of football so I'm glad oh, we have wow some games for yep
0: well very good well as I mentioned we had a, a game last Saturday night uh, the first college football game of the season a great game actually entertaining game Austin P and Central Arkansas we'll talk about that we'll talk about uh, we'll have uh, 10 games this week in various levels but before we get started, On college football, I want to start with the news today of the passing of Big John Thompson, the National Championship Hall of Fame Georgetown coach, uh, died at the age of 78. All you guys, me included, covered John Thompson. Mark, what were your initial thoughts as we... uh, you know he was he was such a, a large figure physically and more than physically he was a large figure in the sport of college basketball.
3: Well, as I talked to Jim Calhoun this morning, another large figure, and he said that John Thompson was a force of nature, and indeed he was. He was, like I said, we all knew him and we all dealt with him in various ways, but he was he was a unique individual, and, and in many ways, as as Mike Trengeese, the former commissioner of Big East, said. I mean, he was 30 years ahead of the game in terms of social injustice and, and standing up for for social for for inequities and and, and what's going on. So
0: he's, he's a pioneer in a lot of ways. Well, you know, Herb, the, the the thing is, and people remember the glory years at Georgetown and what he did. Uh, national championship game in 1982 against North Carolina. That was the infamous Fred Brown uh, pass. Uh, where Dean Smith finally got his first national championship lost in that championship game, won the national championship in 1984. And then of course, in 1985 against the Villanova, one of the biggest upsets in the history of the tournament, uh, Villanova shot Georgetown, and there, but, uh, your, your thoughts on the uh, passing of John Thompson.
1: Well, uh, a sad day for basketball, obviously, uh, you know, just a giant, as you mentioned in every way, um, you know, but I, I was coming to it from a, a little bit of a different angle. It seemed like every time I was around him, I was rooting for the other guy. You know, I was at that game where number 16 Princeton, which featured his well, not featured, but his son John was on the on the Princeton team, almost beat him. It was the first would have been the first 16 versus one upset in the late 80s. Um, and he was he just always had a purr in his saddle about something. They always gave us something to write about. But as you said, I mean, he was terrific for the game and, and for the social uh, forward thinking that, that he brought outside the game. you know, uh, it's just, you know, a big loss for
0: college basketball. Well, Tom, you've, you've lived in that area for a long, long time. The, the Big East battles uh involving Syracuse and Georgetown and Yukon and St. John's and Villanova and on and on and on. It, it was an incredible level of college basketball, and John Thompson was right in the middle of
2: it. Yeah, there's no question, Tony. I was fortunate. I had to cover him for almost 20 years, his entire uh, run in the Big East, uh, because that was my area of working the Big East and covering the Big East. Um, so the thing was, John was always – uh, a very complex person. Obviously, uh, he was he was advancing uh, social injustice and bringing attention to it well before uh, a lot of the people are doing so today. Um, but he, he was challenging at times too. If you were at a press conference with John Thompson, you had better ask have asked a specific question and had known where you were coming from, or he would challenge you on it. Right? You know, he wasn't he wasn't just going to be one of those guys who just let it slide and you know uh you made a mistake you know you had to be prepared with john thompson and like his teams were i mean there was this if you were playing george john you knew there was a specific style. you know you knew you were in for uh 40 minutes of you better you better get ready to go because it's going to be relentless the pressure that's going to put on you and i mean the other side too a lot of people didn't get to see only maybe glimpses of it but john had a great sense of humor i mean he was he was very personal and i was Again, I was fortunate after he retired. I was still doing the Big East, and so every time I cover a Georgetown game, I see John. John was always a presence there. Still, um, you know, and we talk. We would stop in the hallway. Talk for fifteen minutes, you know, uh, just in general, general chat. So I, I mean, I could see the charisma the guy had, and he was obviously a very intelligent man. He, he came from a, a you know, a, a very intellectual place. Whenever he spoke, um, again, challenging to deal with with john thompson but certainly never uh, uh uneventful it was always fun because it was a challenge
0: do i remember this correctly did john was john thompson drafted by the celtics and played with bill russell for a while is that right
2: i believe he was he went to Providence. yeah you know so I, I believe that was the case because he did cross paths briefly with uh, red Auerbach, so i think had a, a little bit of an influence on him as well um yeah
3: very back. much so yeah,
1: yeah who was, you know, the priest who was the president of Notre Dame uh, for a time in the uh, 80s and 90s. They played, uh, you guys might remember it, it was uh, was it Washington or Baltimore? I'm confused. I uh, can't remember exactly. But they played, uh, it was a real, you know, an, one a national power of, of, a, of a high school team.
3: Well, it might be the math I was talking about. Yeah, Washington.
1: that sounds right.
0: Right. Well, John Thompson was voted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 1999. He was named to the College Basketball Hall of Fame in uh, 2006. You know, Mark talked about the fact that he was uh, years ahead of his time in the social social justice area. You guys might remember in 1989, you know, there was a big, big debate in college athletics about Proposition 48 which required minimum standardized testing scores and all that. John Thompson didn't think it was fair. They thought it was unduly harsh on the, the minority population, and he got up. I don't remember what the game was, but I did remember he got up and walked off the court of a game in 1989 to protest
2: it. Yeah, like yeah I mean, that- from a lot of different places, uh, uh, John. He was, uh, you know, uh, he's very opinionated about his things. and came from, again, very intellectual side and you know, but there was, it's funny, you'd see two sides of them that as a as a guy covering the team, you, you felt compassion for the guy at times, and you got him, and other times he infuriated you. For example, when Patrick Ewing was there, you know, if you wanted to go into the Georgetown locker room, they literally had a 10-minute clock, you know, that they started. Once John Thompson stopped speaking, So you would have to dash to the Georgetown locker room and get, you know, whatever needed, and then when the 10 minutes was up, you were out of there, but that was John's, you know, that was John's way, and yet, in that final four, when Fred Brown made that pass and denied John you know the national championship in Georgetown, you couldn't have found a more compassionate response from a head coach. So that really to me was what John Thompson was all about. Yeah, but he and, and,
3: and right. was okay. so talking about a sense of humor and, and, and he had it as well because I, I everyone remembers the famous we'll call a second at St. John he used to wear these ridiculous sweaters that were multicolored and, and and And, you know, just garish to look at and one one day at a, at a game at the garden, you know, John comes out and he's got a sweater at that, that tops Louis Louis sweater in terms of garishness, and everyone laughed, and he had a big laugh, and then it showed another side of John Thompson.
0: well, th- those that that brand of basketball during that time uh, was just was just incredible to watch. and i'm i'm all I'm glad all of us had a chance to do it. So John Thompson, uh, passed away uh, at the age of 78. He was absolutely a giant in every uh, every sense of the word. So let, let's turn to college football. I, for, first of all, guys, I, I you know we we were talking last week about the fact that there would be a game. Austin Peay, Central Florida playing in Montgomery, Alabama, before 2,000 fans, which is what they limited it to. Uh, Turned out to be a good game, and what's what's been interesting is the reaction since then. Uh, I I I went to go get the morning paper on Sunday and ran into somebody, and they said they were just excited because they've been football. uh, That finally was football after everything that we've gone through, and the fact that uh, uh, you know it it, it, it had just been so much fun. I, I I wrote on Twitter. I said, everybody raise your hand who watched it, and I can't tell you how many people sent me different kinds of waves and different kinds of hand raising. So, uh, Mark, let's start with you. Did you get a chance to watch the game? What were your thoughts about it?
3: I did, and it was—I mean, like you said, it was, it was it was a football game, which I think everyone was anticipating and looking forward to. It wasn't the best football, and it, and it had some some early season sloppiness, which you, which you would expect, but it was still a football game, uh, which I think everyone wanted. Now, the, the interesting thing about the offshoot of that is that everyone is watching is we will watch over the next 10 days to see how many positive COVID-19 cases yeah. comes, out of, comes out of these teams to see what city going to be like teams to travel and, and actually play games. I think that's going to be one of the – the key thing you know, everyone's going to look at it in the entire sport of college football to see how that, how it happened, even on a limited basis.
0: Yeah. I, 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 oh, by the way, uh, I, I may have sent central Florida, obviously with central Arkansas that played uh, on Saturday night. Well, speaking of the games, guys, we, central Arkansas has to turn right around. And uh, I think they actually stayed in the state of Alabama because they're playing UAB on Thursday night uh, on ESPN three. So we've got games this week. We have Southern Alabama and Southern Southern Miss, which will be on CBS Sports Network, Eastern Kentucky at Marshall. This is on the 5th. Middle Tennessee at Army, SMU at Texas State, Louisiana Monroe at Troy. I think those two teams are going to play each other twice this year. Uh, Houston Baptist at North Texas, Arkansas State at Memphis. Going to have a good team there at Memphis. Stephen F. Austin at UTEP. And Monday night, Monday night, BYU at Navy on ESPN. Uh Mark, Mark, let's start with that Navy game. Well, that, that's a game that was supposed to be played in Dublin. Uh, then they decided to bring it back to the States. Notre Dame wouldn't play uh, at Navy because Navy's home game, and Navy was not going to go south Bend and play. And so that's how we ended up with BYU and Navy, right?
3: Yeah, it is, and it's uh, it's unfortunate that, that Notre Dame and Navy couldn't have uh, gotten that done because of you know whatever reason you want to say, uh, because that was one that was uh, a, a traditional rivalry of, of, of you know 80 years going back. You know, uh, this is going to be this is going to be a showcase game, but you're not going to see very much quality football. Navy's got one of its worst teams in years. I think I, I think they'll be lucky to win three or four games this year. And and BYU, who knows about BYU? But still, it, it, it's 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 a game in Annapolis, and, it, and it's a Monday night game on on, on you know, we will we'll kick off the Monday night season for, for for ESPN. So we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it'll be again. It's just it's a football game that's being played, and we'll we'll, we'll go from there.
0: Yep, you know just sitting there looking at this list of games uh, and the game last Saturday night, I think Mark, you made the point. What we have to keep in mind guys, everybody says, well, they played last night and everything's fine. Well, no, you don't, you can't say that because what you have to say is they played last night. And after the game, things are fine, but you won't know (laughs) until 10 days to two weeks out what the impact was. Do you have a spike in positive tests? You know, what happens and so that's what that's what we got to keep our eye on, and for this week's games, you know, what is what does what does the landscape look like um, two weeks after these games are played, and then the following week we'll talk about this in next week's podcast. Following week, next next week uh, we have the ACC and the Big Twelve uh, kicking off. So that that gives us a very good segue into our weekly soap opera uh, days of the Big Ten. Uh, it goes on and on and on. Herb, what in the world is your conference doing? Well, first of all, it's not my conference,
1: but I do. I do follow it. Um, you know, that I don't think they know. I mean, I think they made a horrible misstep early. Uh, you know, we it's like we're like a broken record, too. I mean, since that first announcement, you know, which was just entirely too premature that they wouldn't play you know, it's been chaos and, you know, this latest version um, after saying, there's no way we're going to play any football this fall. Now they're rethinking it. And there's, there are, you know, confirmed reports that, that there's a chance they would start up a season at Thanksgiving, which makes no sense to me. I mean, were you going to play in December and January, you're still not going to be in the mix for the college football playoff. I mean, I think that they just dropped the ball and, you know, we've said it 38,000 times already and it just isn't going away. Um, You know, it was just very, very badly handled. Uh, You know, the other part that's bizarre about this is that this is just the only sport where this could happen because, you know, you look at, at the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NBA, I mean, it's one, you know, decision this is the part that, that at this point really frustrates me is that I know that everybody likes to have their own little individuality in college football, but, but how the power five, you know, they agree on how many players are on the field. They agree on numbers of recruits on practice time. And, and they, you know, so you better agree on whether you're going to play or not. I mean, it's, but yeah, the big 10 is just dropped the ball. And, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, Kevin Warren moving forward, maybe he can survive this over the long haul and and it's too early to start speculating on that. But wow. I mean, this is just a hole from which it's going to be very hard to emerge.
0: Well, guys, think about this. I I want to ask uh, a couple of you guys about this. Whereas some people are saying this episode that we've gone through shows the need for some overall commissioner, uh, overall czar over college football. I maintain that it shows you why it might not happen, because I'm promising you the SEC is sitting there today going, well, if Kevin Warren was the if Kevin Warren was the overall czar of college football, none of us would be playing today. OK, he would have shot he would have shut the whole thing down. And so I think that makes it almost less likely. That will have an overall czar because the SEC obviously and the ACC want to do what is best for their part of the country. I don't know. What do you think, Luch?
2: Well, the first thing is uh, most of the other leagues are accountable to the presidents, so uh, a, a lot of this is, you know, is influenced by that. And I'm sure that Kevin Warren is following that lead. That I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if I necessarily agree with you, Tony. I think it does. It does cry out the need for a czar. Um, but I, I'm not sure that Kevin Warren would ever be it. You know, I mean, I think you'd get more of a of a Jim Delaney type, you know, uh, running the show. And I, I don't think you'd have this problem. I think Jim Delaney would have come out of a much different approach. It's just my personal opinion, but um, not just not to be overly critical of Kevin Warren, uh, who, like I say, is being dictated by the by the university presidents. But yeah, and I agree with her. But this was just uh, overall a bad decision. But. The, the college sport that what sport doesn't have a czar slash commissioner you know uh, outside of uh, the colleges uh, almost everyone everyone does. I mean baseball, football, basketball, everybody has somebody that has to be at the top and it's ridiculous to expect the NCAA you know to provide that leadership or to be to fill that void. That's not going to happen. It, it never has happened. it won't happen. so there's <coughs> somebody in charge. there really does yeah you all know, all I, I, tier, might... Tony. i'll I'll volunteer. You know, so I would just I, say that I don't. I have 40 it. years of college
0: experience. I'm <laughs> uh, out know, wh- One of the things I just keep I just keep wondering about Mark Lash and I'll ask you this. The. Is this a Big Ten reaction to the pressure or would, would they have considered this no matter what? Or is it is, is the pressure starting to get to Kevin Warren and, and with all, with the lawsuits and everything going on, is this discussion a reaction to that? Yeah,
3: but, and, but, but it's also, it's, it's also an indication that Herb and I've had discussions about this as well with Looch. I think it's, it's, it's a flaw in Kevin Warren's uh, ability here to, to get things under control. I mean, he, he, I mean, this, this needs control much as much as anything. I mean, it's, it's a, a None of this. I think all this stuff is is natural if it if it's held behind closed doors. I mean that's just part of the uh, of, of of discussion among leagues. It happens at every league, but and it happened in SEC. It happened in the big Big Ten under Delaney. But the fact is, is that it's out, it's out in public, and that's that's the difference between Kevin Warren and Jim Delaney and and a, and a Mike Slive or, or Greg Sankey. I mean mm-hmm. it's, it's all out in public for people to see, and I think that's what's caused the problem.
1: Yeah, you know the other thing I would add to this is. It, the focus is, is so strongly on Kevin Warren, as it should be, but what we really don't know is behind the scenes, was he dictating policy here, or was he reflecting what the presidents of these universities wanted to do? I mean, he's the new kid on the block. I don't know that that he, in his first year, has the you know power base or the acumen to necessarily say look here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to do it. I mean, I think he was reflecting a sentiment of of many of these university presidents who who probably weren't in close enough touch with their athletic people. I mean, we don't really know. I mean, Kevin Warren's going to take the blame because he's out front and and that's his one of his jobs. But we don't really know if it was how much of it was Kevin Warren and how much of it was university presidents and chancellors who really misinterpreted
0: the depth of the importance of college football. Uh, Mark, you wrote on, on TMG, uh, where you can find our, our stuff at si.com slash TMG. Uh, you wrote that basically what all Kevin Warren was doing was implementing a system that Jim Delaney had had in place for 30 years, correct?
3: Correct. And then and, and Jim Delaney, Jim Delaney's genius or, or skills was that he would take the the idea the the voices of the ads and present them to the president and take the the the, 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 the pages of the president to give them to the ads and then said okay here's here's what you want to do here's what you want to do but I uh, and then and then it would be one one voice and I heard I I think there's no question at all Kevin Warren had nothing to do with this decision in terms of initiating. this was all a president's call and it was just mishandled in terms of the way it was distributed. I mean I, I don't think there's no any way in hell that, that Kevin Warren said I'm gonna stop this and, and without having the full back of the presidents who will push him in that direction. I don't think he had enough uh I don't think that 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 I don't think even the lady
0: would do that. Yeah, I, I think guys, just just having watched this stuff over the years, I think it's a clear move by the presidents. Uh, who obviously the presidents listened to Jim Delaney, the presidents did for 30 years. The presidents of the big 10 did what Jim Delaney recommended because they knew how smart he was and how it was going to work. But now we're in a situation where the presidents basically made this decision and left it on Kevin Warren to sell it. Uh, and that's where the, that's where the flaw came in. That's where the lack of communications, uh, came in. So, so, Mark, here's Mark Blassen, Here's the question I have. Let's just say they try to play by Thanksgiving. What, what What are you trying to get accomplished? You're not gonna You're not gonna be in the playoffs, okay, if that <laughs> happens. So, what are you What are you trying to get done by starting uh, the
3: season? There's, on there's one There's one answer, and it's, and it's the answer that's been with us ever since. Everybody, money, money, money. Yeah, I, I
2: would say that too. It. You know, it, it's kind they get, of the same Even
3: the Big Ten Network, they get all that money and they play games. and they, they don't really. I, I think that I, I, I think of all the conferences, I think the Big Ten national championship carrot is is least important in the Big Ten, and there they were interested in Big Ten championships and Rose Bowl games, long even though in the BCS era. So I think if, if they can, if, if they can say, here's the bottom line: if you, if you don't play football this year, you lose eighty million dollars. If you if You play football sometime this year and go on TV. You, uh, you you might make you might make twenty million dollars. I think that's a, that's a bottom line decision. It's it's all money.
0: It's all about money. Herb, could we have a springtime Rose Bowl?
1: You know, I, I I I've heard speculation about that. I I don't see it. I mean, for one thing, we haven't heard a, a, a peep out of the big about the, out of the Pac-12. I mean, who are you going to play? What, what is it going to be the east versus is that going to be the the big 10 championship game I, I don't see it you know the other thing is there's a lot of concerns that i think are real that if you start playing spring football or even into early into the year you start you know you, you're you're so out of sequence that you're jeopard you know you're you're jeopardizing some possible uh, parts of your 2021 season I, it makes no sense i mean i at least stick to your guns it, If you're going to make this this goofy call and and call off your season early, then stick to it. You know, and by the way, the other thing that's that's strange about this is what if, you know, a a month from now, uh, the other team, you know, the the three leagues that are still playing have outbreaks and now they say we're not going to play. Well, yes, they they did go through the steps and wait until the last possible moment. But the big 10 almost needs to be hoping for that in a, as, as a, a small way to save face and say, look, we were ahead of the curve on this. I just don't, I think they're so confused now that there's just no way they can dig out from under the, the disasters that are multiple in the, in this whole decision.
0: Okay. All right, guys, let me share with you a couple of headlines before we uh, before we move on and wrap it up today. Uh, you know, just when you thought LSU could not lose anything more, I mean, they lost a the Heisman Trophy quarterback. They lost the best assistant coach in the country. They lost their defensive coordinator. They lost 14 guys to the NFL draft, including nine underclassmen. Yesterday, Jamar Chase, the Bulitnikov Award winner, the best wide receiver in college football, announced that he's opting out. He's leaving. He's going to get ready for the NFL draft after going through all this work. I mean, there's this, and we get to see more and more guys who are opting out. Here's the question that I have. Lucian, I'll ask it to you. The question I have is, what does the timing of this mean? Does it mean that as... We get closer to the season, and the games are—you know—everything's starting to look really real. And the guys are saying, "What? Am, a guy like Jamar Chase will go? I got a national championship. I was the best wide receiver in college football last year. I got an SEC championship. What do I need to prove?" And say, and that's why they leave because we see that happening more, Luchs.
2: Yeah, I think so. It all depends on when you get your agent uh I'm being sarcastic yep. there but uh you know it's no. yeah, yeah, no, I mean I think we can see that. And I know everybody was concerned about, you know, any possibility of spring football if this would be the case as well. But you know, this this is the new this is the new era of college football. I mean these players are going to they they have the they have the power, they're wielding it. They're gonna make the decisions in their best interest. And and maybe he just assessed the landscape, Tony, let's be honest, and just Maybe he got a chance at practice to see who the quarterbacks were and said, this is not going to help my stock at all. What am I playing yep. for? My stock right. is going to be better off if I don't play because I'm coming off a, a, an unbelievable season. I mean, that could, that could easily have weighed into it. And the other thing is with the start-stop, I think mean, we, we just saw, uh, I guess Auburn only was down to 16 players, so they had to cancel yep. practice. W- yep. Why would he – we see what's going on with baseball. These guys start-stop, everybody's getting hurt. Why would he risk that? Maybe he just assessed the landscape and said, listen – I don't want to start practice, then stop practice, then, then have a game canceled. What's the point for me? You know, and I, you can't blame him when he's going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, again, not to digress, but this crazy season, I mean, we were talking earlier about Austin Pete, One-third of their season's over already. They're only yeah. playing three games. I yeah. Mean, I, yeah, so it's, we have to get used to uh, different decisions, uh, players having more power, And and using that power and, and things being a lot different this year than they ever have been and I think ever will be
0: right that's that's a good that's a good place for us to come to a stop uh, uh, look guys next week when we're here when we gather back here a week from now uh the acc will start their season next week they're five there's a game on thursday night game on friday night have a total of five conference games next week that we could talk about big 12 will start next week uh they've got eight non-conference games and so um let, let's let's wrap it up here. How, how is everybody fe- – Mark, you asked me this question the other day. H- how are you feeling about the start of the season, and how are you feeling about the, whether or not we can go the distance? I think we're uh, 100% sure we're going to start the season, and I,
3: uh, I'm i 50% sure that we're going to finish the season uh, without some sort of either stoppage in the middle of the year or – uh, like Herb said, maybe some outbreak comes that, that stops the game completely. Uh, so I don't know. I, but I think there's no question at all we're going to start the season. Uh, I, I think we can get to the SEC, the 26th, and then we'll
0: go from there. Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Gentlemen, enjoy being with you today, as we always, always do. Uh, remember that we are brought to you by APPA, A-P-B-A, the unchallenged king of quality sports uh, simulation products. And thanks again to Dave at Revelation Studios and lovely Chino. Gentlemen, it's been a blast. You take care, folks. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, take care of yourself and carry on.